This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Adam. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast on the Out of Collective, and we have a wonderful episode for you today with Alex Hall, slope-style gold medalist, at Beijing 2022, an overall wonderful human being, um, probably one of the most humble people that I've talked to in a very long time. I am thrilled um, to have had this conversation with him. And uh, yeah, I think you guys will really enjoy this one as we go forward. So before we get into it, quite a few things going on per usual. Uh, we have a new news segment that comes out every Friday. Uh, I took last week off because when I say every Friday, I mean Fridays when we have time. Um, that is on YouTube. You are available. You are available. It is available on YouTube. You can watch it as you are available. And uh, as well as all the reviews we have going on, we've got a couple new video projects that are going to drop here soon. So uh, subscribe to that stuff as much as you can. Uh, leave us a review on the Apple Podcast and Spotify, and I'm going to stop asking you for stuff uh, momentarily here, uh, and then you can just get into the interview. I, yeah, I always love talking to people like Alex, and I am, I'm psyched to be able to do this, and it makes me feel very grateful every single time I get on the mic. So um, thanks to Alex, and, uh, and onward. Um, first sponsor of the day is our friends at 686. 686 makes the best technical apparel on earth uh, for skiing and snowboarding and for just wearing around. They've kind of become this like outerwear lifestyle brand that I never really saw coming in the snow sports space. But let me tell you, the, the pants, I thought I had them next to me. I was going to whip them up for the camera. But um, they have all kinds of stuff in the lifestyle category. But obviously, we're heading into snow season. There is a ton of new stuff um, dropping, including this amazing Gore-Tex pro three-layer thermograph jacket including this thing that ethan's pulling up on the screen which i i like jokingly asked for uh which is a exploration overall or coverall coverall it's basically like a suit it's a silver microwaves of aspen style suit uh, made with in collaboration with the wonderful people at nasa sorry if i'm like fumbling over stuff today i just we just did three four hours of recording and i am Tired. Uh, they also, for those of you that care, they have Grateful Dead collaborations, and uh, those are what they are. So that's, uh, yeah. Um, 686 Men Sub Sub Zero Down Jacket. We all got one of those, and let me tell you, those things are fucking dope as shit. Um, and that's it. Go to 686.com. Check out any of the amazing new products that they have on the website, including that lifestyle stuff that everywhere pant is the only thing that Ethan wears. I've never seen him wear a different pair of pants. If you ever see him wearing a different pair of pants that are not 686, I'll give you 10 bucks. Um, that is uh, that is my gift for me to you. So once again, 686.com. Next, we have Alpine Vans. Alpine Vans is a company out of PA that makes the best adventure vans in the entire world. Um, they're they're honestly just insane. Like they have things like external and internal gear storage, ski storage, bike storage. Um, they have like a kitchen built into it. Like the one that I'm running right now has like stove sink, like heated gear closet. Can we talk about that for a second? Like your stuff's wet. You basically just throw it in the closet. It dry. 
There's boot dryers as well. Like it is like it's the perfect I want to like I want to commit to van life van. Um and Todd at Alpinevans.com will uh will hook you up big time with uh litter I had a guy like pull me over on the side of the road like the other day. Like I was just driving. He's like walking by and he's like, dude, it's the nicest van I've ever seen in my fucking life was exactly what he said. And I cannot uh I cannot agree more. Like the things are ridiculous. I am like completely rattled. Yeah, this is basically what I got right here. Like, look at this thing. Thing is baller. Um Anyway, you can go to alpinevans.com and hit up my friend Todd at Todd at alpinevans.com to start the conversation. Um, also worth noting that it is the van that Cody Townsend runs in the 50 Project, so you've seen plenty of it, and you will probably see plenty more as we go forward into the world. Um, so thank you to our friends at Alpine Vans. Uh, and without further ado, we are going to roll right into the Alex Hall episode. Uh, if you get the opportunity, please listen to past episodes with Glenn Plake. Malou Peterson, um, and anyone else that you find interesting, and also check out Care Less Do More, which is the brand new show that we have with the legend that is Michelle Parker. Um, she's killing it. She's such a good interviewer and such a good talker, and I'm psyched to hear more from her. But for now, you get more of me, and here is Alex Hall. Alex, tell people, first of all, who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we can go on from there. All right, I'll do a brief one here. Uh, Alex Hall. I was born in Fairbanks, Alaska, but I grew up in Switzerland from pretty much age one until age about 16. And then uh, I moved to the U.S. to go to the what's called the Winter Sports School in Park City, um, where like Colby Stevenson's gone there, Joss, a bunch of people. And I went there for my last two years of high school, and I've pretty much been living in uh, Salt Lake ever since then. So um yeah, that's kind of my upbringing. But yeah, my family still lives over in Europe and I come visit them here in Switzerland as much as I can. So uh, it's nice to see them every now and then. But um, yeah, that's pretty much the gist. been skiing <laughs> uh, my whole life. My parents, I was a weekend warrior growing up. But yeah, my parents took me every weekend. So that was dope. And then when I moved to the US, it was kind of for skiing. And that's when I started doing it like full time and, and kind of uh, tried to really get into it. So yeah. That's that's that in a brief, in a brief uh, summary. <laughs> now you're in it, in it. You're about as in it as you could possibly be. Yep. Um. So tell me a little bit about like growing up skiing. What was what was the relationship like for you with skiing? Like, it, obviously, it's. I'm not gonna go too far into like how did you do this and all this kind of shit. But I think it's really it is interesting to see where people switch from like oh I'm gonna take this serious serious and like make this a career from like just casually skiing on the weekend and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, like I said, like <clears throat> I grew up skiing, like my dad and mom were super into skiing. My dad, especially like he grew up, my dad's actually from Salt Lake. So he grew up in Salt Lake city and like has always been crazy into skiing. Um, him and his friends, were, like OG hot doggers, like there's some dope vids of my dad, just like <laughs> getting it back in the, let's see the seventies, like, when he was like in his late teens and like early twenties. So I like used to see like home, home movies of him, him getting it with his homies. And that really inspired me to like kind of become more of a freestyle skier. Whereas first, like I started just with regular skiing and then got more into like doing tricks and stuff. And I was probably, I don't know, like 10 or 11. I think like my first backy was like when I was 10 or something, but yeah, like I lived, I lived pretty close to the mountains. I grew up in Zurich, yeah. um, kind of near Zurich. So, 
uh, on the outskirts. I was like on the closer side of the mountains. So it was maybe like a 45 minute drive to like some of the closer resorts. So my parents would always take me on weekends, like as much as we could go. And then when there was snow in the backyard, I'd try and like, I'd add a bunch of rails I'd set up like on a hill behind our house and stuff. So I'd like be shredding a lot, but definitely didn't do it a ton. And like, I was doing the, um, the local Swiss circuit a bunch, um, just doing like some little comps, like when I was like 14, 15. And then there was kind of a point at which I felt like I was like pretty decent at it, but I knew that to try and kind of take that next step, I'd have to ski more than just weekends. So then I was kind of trying to decide between like going to sports school in Switzerland. So like a school that would allow me to ski way more than I was doing. And there was one in Switzerland where like Andre Getley and Fabian Bush and a bunch of the Swiss skiers like all went to. So I was kind of trying to decide between that one and then a couple that I'd like heard of in, in the U S and since my dad was from Salt Lake, I have family like that. I'd been visiting Salt Lake growing up. Like my grandparents lived there and I had a bunch of um, aunts and uncles that lived there. It felt like it wasn't too far of a switch. So I kind of just like went with the move to the U S cause the school seemed like a better system where the winter sports school, you can ski, um, you ski all winter and do school all summer. Mm. so you pretty much get to ski from november through april straight which is pretty sick when you're like 16 17 it's like all you want to <laughs> do and i think like that's really what helped me take that next step is getting like that first winter i moved i just skied so much yeah and um but yeah i think i was like 15 or 16 when i kind of realized it'd be it was something i'd really like want to pursue um maybe like as an actual career you know just trying to see as far like how far i can take it yeah did you expect to be obviously like not expect to be at the exact spot that you're at now, but like, I, I don't know. Did you expect to be able to make this a career career? Uh, I wasn't sure. Honestly, like I knew that there were like, was a career path in skiing. Like obviously like I'd like looked up to all the pros growing up and stuff like every, like after I started falling free skiing, I looked up to like, all the big dogs like Wallish and T hall and like all those guys. So I knew that like, being a pro skier was a thing yeah. but like i where i grew up especially like near zurich like i all of my friends growing up like we we all skied together and stuff but no one it wasn't like i had a bunch of homies that were also trying to go mm. like become skiers it was just like i was kind of the lone soldier there that were like wanted to maybe become a skier so it, it definitely seemed a little more far-fetched maybe yeah and like also competing or like growing up kind of further away from the mountains like i was looking at kids like andre and fabian who grew up in the mountains and like got to ski every day and they were so much like vastly vastly better than me like at age you know 13 14 15 and 16 that like i i knew it was maybe something i could like try and get into but i didn't know like if, if it would really pan out or if it was like super attainable just because mainly just because i was a lot less good than a lot of the other kids <laughs> but um but yeah, I think just my parents were dope enough to allow me to come to the U.S. and like live with a host family, and also like you know it's it's not cheap, so they were able to you know pay the host family and live with them. Luckily, they were good friends of ours that I'd met a couple years earlier, so that was pretty sweet. Yeah, and then um, I got a scholarship to go to the school. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were, my parents were super dope and helping me kind of just at least take the leap and, you know, see if it would go. And then pretty much like right as I was graduating high school, I was at a position where I was like getting some pretty good sponsors and stuff so at like 
age kind of uh 17 18 like in that range so i like kind of knew after high school that was something i could try and kind of stick with for a couple years yeah what that's a big jump for a parent to just be like yeah like you can be a skier like let's try this like that's not a lot of parents have the like have the foresight and i guess the trust in their kid that they're gonna make that that whole thing happen what did they always have the confidence in it that it was like a thing worth trying or did it take some convincing uh, no, nah, they were always pretty, pretty down. Like my, my parents are, especially my dad is super, like just super chill, honestly. Yeah. And he was super down. I mean, he grew up in the ski, like just skiing a bunch and like he goes skiing as much as he can. So he was already super down with skiing, but honestly, my parents have always just been super supportive and like really mellow too. So they just saw like the passion that I had for it and like how down I was to just try and make it work that. I think they trusted me and it, it wasn't like as crazy a send, I think, as it like sounds because like I'd been to Utah like a right. couple times for Christmas. Like my grandparents lived there, I had family there. So like there was some family that like could check in on me and stuff. And like yeah. um the family I was staying with, um, we'd know them for a couple years. So it was like it wasn't like that that crazy of a send. And then they like came for Christmas and like it came again in the spring. So I saw them like every couple months and stuff, but yeah. yeah, I think they were just, they just saw like how excited I was about the idea. And then they were just dope because they were so supportive. And then also obviously like, you know, trying to, trying to help me pay for it and stuff was also like a huge part of it. So that was super sweet. Yeah. What, that's gotta be a weird thing too. Even if you know them a bit, like staying with a host family, I feel like that's an experience that people maybe like, I know most people probably have no idea what that's like. Like one moving across like into a different country to pursue something is one thing, but then living with a family that's not like your own family that you've grown up with is also a very, very bizarre thing to, to a lot of people out there. I feel like. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it definitely was, but yeah, like this, this family, like I, I'd known the, the kid for a while. Um, we'd like skied actually in Europe. His dad was French. So okay. we'd like skied in Europe a little bit together. And like, I went to this summer camp in France um and like ski during the summer for like a couple weeks and i met him there and then he said he lived in pc and then like the next summer i went to pc and like hung out with them and stuff and they're just super dope family um like the dad was super chill and like a great guy so i felt like it was just a pretty easy transition and i don't know like just i think i moved so i moved over there in november and then like pretty much started like a full ski seat and then like school wasn't starting until April. So I moved there in November and then I was already like traveling a fair bit, like within mm -hmm. the country um, to different, like a couple different comps and stuff. And just like skiing a bunch with the park city team that like, I wasn't there the whole time I was kind of bouncing like in and out a little bit. So I'd be there for like a couple weeks and then I'd travel and be back. So it wasn't like full on right at the start. And then I got to know them super well. Yeah, And then by the time April came around and school started, like it was super mellow living with them. And um, yeah, the kid was a, a year younger than me. So he went to the, to the school as well, the, the winter sports school, but he was the grade below me. And by that time, like I had, I had a bunch of homies from the team already that also were all going to the school and stuff. So it was like a pretty, pretty like welcoming and, and mellow environment. Mm. What, let me ask you a little bit about the comp scene because that's a, that's always the thing I feel like you you hear people talk about it all the time as like it's extremely difficult, it's extremely cutthroat, it's hard to make money in it, it's hard to be successful in it. 
what what is your approach been to the competition aspect of things and do you like it like i mean you're at the top level of this shit now and like are you still enjoying it because i think you see a lot of the people that you mentioned like that you look up to move away from that at points in their career right and they start to go into filming and that's like really all they do and then they move into the backcountry and like you watch this progression that almost seems like it happens to people like clockwork almost like it happens yeah, to everybody yeah. and like I just wonder like how much do you enjoy the competitive aspect of it? Do you find yourself to be a competitive person? Like I'm listening to you talk right now. It doesn't seem like you're like a cutthroat, like I got to win type of person, but like everybody I'm assuming has that inside them. So tell, tell me a little bit about the comp scene. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm not like the most competitive person. I like, I, I definitely have it like inside me, you know, but yeah. overall I would consider myself pretty mellow but i mean i think anyone competing like at the level that we're competing at like is pretty competitive at, you know somewhere within yeah. side but it was sick actually like growing up i'm I, I feel like i'm always looking back at it i'm always like so i feel so fortunate that i grew up like doing the competition scene and getting into the scene when i did because it was at a time where like i was right at the end of like the open comp still being around like right the comps like you know aspen open or euro open or just the dumont cup like those yeah. were all events where like my first year or two of competing like internationally those were like the last years of those events so i got to like sign up and and try a bunch of these open events which was so dope because you could work your way up without a national team or like having all this crazy all these points or whatever you got to do yeah, nowadays yeah. And so I feel like that was, that was, I got super lucky because I was able to do those. And actually after the first couple seasons of doing those, I then like had a good enough ranking and, and kind of whatever points they used to do a different point system back then yeah. called AFP. Now they only do fists for events. Um, but pretty much I got into like world cups and that whole circuit from doing open events, which was awesome. Cause like events like Dumont cup and Euro open were sick. Cause literally anyone could sign up pretty much. Yeah. And um, you didn't need like any coach or national team to travel with. So that was dope. But then, yeah, I mean, things have changed a lot. Like kids nowadays coming up, it's crazy. Like you gotta, you gotta be like doing the very specific route to get into the world cups to then, you know, you gotta work your way up. So like gradually in a way, I think, and it's obviously, yeah, it's so expensive to travel, but um yeah, just everything's become more structured now, which I think is not as dope as kind of it was a couple of years ago when you could do, you know, you kind of pick like here and there what you wanted to do yeah. in terms of comps. But um, yeah, I mean, it's the comp schedules definitely grind sometimes. I think like I tried to do my best by like balancing it out with a lot of um, filming and just like, yeah skiing for myself and like doing a like a lot of different aspects of skiing like go ski some pow go ski some street ski some comps and like last year was kind of a little bit of an exception because we had to do so many qualifiers leading up to the olympics that right. we were really really busy until then and then we spent three weeks in china and then after that it was already springtime so that there wasn't like a ton of time left to film kind of street and pow so we were really really busy um which was definitely a little bit of a grind, but it's been sick. Like, especially the last year or two traveling with just the U S team has been dope. Cause we're a bunch of, uh, homies who are the same, pretty similar age right now. And we all are like really hyped to just go out and shred and 
and there's not a lot of like age gap or anything. So we have like very similar ways of looking at skiing and just being like stoked on things. So we were all just like feeding off each other last year. And despite kind of the grind and competing so much, like it, it honestly was so much fun being with everybody. So that was really refreshing actually. But yeah, last time I competed like 15 times, which is a lot, which doesn't sound like that much, but it's, it's no, a lot. It sounds like, like a lot, you, dude. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's a lot. And, and some of those were like not, different comps like x games i competed like three different times because right. i was in three different events but but yeah 15 times which is definitely pretty heavy it doesn't like leave a lot of time for filming um so yeah this year definitely trying to branch out a little more compete a little and then just film a lot more and and even it out i think after a big year like last year with that much competing it just takes kind of takes a toll on you just like all the traveling so heavy and stuff that I think switching it up a little this year will, will definitely help like keep it refreshing and, and help me from keeping, keeping me like just not get burned out. Cause I think that definitely can happen to me. Some people are hyped. Like yeah. I know a lot of the Euro kids are just like down, like to compete the whole time and, and they kind of just stick with it. And it's like what drives them, which is also sick, but it just, it's different for everybody, you know? And for me, like just the comps doesn't really do it for me. So doing a little bit of, of everything is kind of how I stay stoked, you know, and, uh, whether that's street or power, whatever, it kind of just depends. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think that that's, that comes through in the way that you ski. And also like uh, when I messaged you, I talked about that edit that you put out that level one's like touring around right now. It's like, it's fucking ridiculous. It's crazy that you have the time and you're like willing to send as hard as you are in the street. And then also like the Alta part that faction just put out, like all that shit's ridiculous. And to keep the motivation to compete, but also like have fun with skiing is pretty crazy to me. It's a different approach than a lot of people have. Some people just like need to get away from the sport entirely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, I'm, ho I'm hoping that like just keeping the varieties, like what's going to keep me in it for, you know, hopefully that like, that's what keeps it fun for me. And I think, that's how I'm going to stay in the sport for a longer amount of time is by exploring a lot of different aspects and just keeping it, keeping it all mixed up. Cause then I think, yeah, I think that's why you see people burn out is if they just totally. go savage on the comps for like three or four years. And, and, um, yeah, it just kind of takes a toll on you. And I think also you realize after doing it for like too many years in a row, especially now with the world cup schedule, where like, we'll have a lot of these repeat world cup events that feel really similar at the same locations every year that like you do that for a couple of years and you just grind them out. Like you start to realize it like starts to feel like the same thing over and over again mm. to where like, if I can do something different every season, whether it's a different film trip or something else, then just do like a couple comps here and there yeah. that like really helps kind of, I think prolong my stoke to compete. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, that's like hopefully the plan with this year is just compete like every now and then, but then, film a lot and then like hopefully when i do come back to the comps like between a lot of filming like i'll be actually stoked to compete like i'll have a lot of mm. hunger to compete and like bring a different kind of style and flavor to my competition whereas like last year i was kind of just hammering out comps not yeah. that it wasn't fun it was really fun but just it's it's going to be a different approach this year which should be sick yeah i'm interested to see what that looks like for you it's uh it, it's a weird thing because like in so many other sports like the competition aspect is everything but in skiing it's really it obviously things like the olympics are at an elite level and that changes things for your career it changes everything but it's not everything in skiing right like there's just so much more to it and i i like the idea of like switching it up and 
and kind of bringing some fresh energy to those comps too. Cause you watch it, right? Like, and people, you're right. Like people go hard as shit in comps. Like, I don't know. I always think whenever people bring this up, I think about Dumont, right? Because like that dude was like at the top of the pipe, like bashing his head in basically like trying to get himself hyped for these things. And, and so much of it you look at and you're like, I think he's just forcing himself like robotically to get through these things, you know? And like just yeah, so locked sure. in that people would try to talk to him and he'd be like, fuck you. Like, I don't want to talk to you right now. And he said it himself. It's just, it's a crazy thing. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's sick when it works for people. Like there's definitely people like that right now who are just hard, you know, <laughs> yeah. hardcore comp guys, which is like, no, no, no disrespect to that. Cause that takes a, you know, a ton of commitment and you gotta be so on top of your game and like, especially like if you're some of those guys who are like always like all they're doing between events is like training for those events. Like it's, it's insane to keep that level of commitment, like to your tricks, you know, like just grinding out your, just like your competitive tricks all the time is like, that's pretty savage. Cause it, yeah, it takes like a, you gotta be pretty strong mentally to do that. Like I look at like Nick Gepper, for example, who like, I feel like he catches like a lot of flame for being like whatever the comp guy, but like, just watching him like the year leading up to the Olympics, like he was being so insane, just grinding every <laughs> single day. Just like I'd be over like whatever, doing something zooted on the rails or just like chilling so hard. And he's, I'll show up and he'll literally like in the morning and he'll be there an hour or two before me. And he'll have done like both way dub 14s, like all morning, mm. just grinding them out, which is insane. Cause like I could never convince myself to do that every day, but he did it every fucking day of the winter and then and then it worked out he used like both all the tricks pretty much he grinded he was grinding all winter he used in his olympic run and like he got another medal so it's like pretty insane to watch it like come to fruition for him but yeah it's it's different for everybody and i, I could not deal with that <laughs> amount of like corking and just going that savage every day it's it's insane to watch honestly it's crazy i it- do you think it's frustrating for him like to watch you not really do that right like and to just chill and like kind of like do your own thing and take your own pace and he's like grinding soup I always wonder like is that aggravating for other athletes right the way that you approach it because it's different like I said than other than other sports where like yeah you're on a team but you're not on a team you know what I mean like it's an individual sport at the end of the day so is there that like what is the relationship like when you guys are all in the gym together you guys are all like traveling together um i I don't think i don't know i don't think it's too much like that like i mean i you know i I still go out and like i think we just all approach it differently for him it's going Mm -hmm. out and like getting reps on those insane tricks and for me it's going out and skiing and maybe just doing more rails or taking a chill day every now and then but like still like i'm still up there skiing as much as i can it's just taking a different approach and i think I don't think it's aggregate. I, like, I don't think it makes it mad or anything. Yeah. I think he realizes it's just different for everybody, but also like the thing that I think is so impressive about Nick and why I think like his, what he does work so well for him is the fact that like, yeah, maybe whatever someone could say he didn't win, but like obviously a medal's so impressive. But then I think yeah. the most impressive thing is for him to do it three Olympics in a row, yeah, like in soap style. Yeah. Yeah, especially in slope style, I feel like that's like uh, it's gonna be like so incredibly hard for any for anyone else to replicate that. I feel like to do three Olympics in a row, getting a medal, like that's that show that shows like the level of commitment these that he's had the last like whatever eight years, you know, over the last three Olympics. Like that's what's really impressive is the consistency. Where someone like me, maybe it's I think like the consistency is as much there. Like you can have your really great moments and then 
sometimes it doesn't work out just because like I'm not getting as many reps as Nick on the things like I'm not as dialed at those specific tricks because I'm not getting as many reps on them. But it, then I think it also allows you to be more creative, maybe because you spend your time exploring more different tricks. Um, so it's it's like a you know it's it's a you can it's it's just it's like a win lose. I, I, it's like not the right saying, but like <laughs> it's, you're like sacrificing one thing for another. It's either consistency yeah. and like having it maybe less tricks to choose from, but you got them really dialed, or you have a little less consistency, but you have maybe more creativity or maybe a deeper bag of tricks so then when you do get those runs they can maybe have an even higher scoring potential mm. but you're not going to get them as frequently kind of deal so right. i think um but yeah like for nick's mindset the kind of person he is like what he does works perfectly and it's it's pretty impressive to watch it pay off the last couple of years or last eight years <laughs> yeah and you're right like it's and i don't even mean that in like a, like is he aggravated or any of that shit i just mean like i I talked to David Wise like a few months ago, right? Like pre right pre-Olympics. And he was like, dude, my training right now is like robotic. Like I like, I just go at it and I train as hard as I can. So like my body can take the shit that I'm doing right now. And like that, it just is what it is. Like I eat the way that I need to eat. I perform the way that I need to perform. And like, that's what I have to do right now. And that's my approach is just like fully locked in and grind, grind, grind. Yeah, exactly. And that that's how Nick was too. And, and I think I would like, last about two days if i did that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess that's kind of valid it, so let me ask you on the creativity side of thing your approach to skiing like when you see sh it, the first thing that comes to my mind is like doing that front flip off a fucking tree in that out to edit <laughs> like what how did you even think about doing something like that when you're approaching something new everybody always talks about being outside of the box and thinking outside of the box and creativity and whatever the fuck, but like you actually have to like, what does that look like in your mind when you're processing that? Um, I think for me, uh, what helps a ton is watching a bunch of different, like watching I watch a ton of skiing, like as much skiing as I can. I will love watching snowboarding and I love watching skateboarding and surfing. Mm. And I think like all these things have some parallels in some ways. And if you can like draw little bits from all these different sports, you can mm -hmm. like use that for so much inspiration. And I think, um, I don't know, I guess for at least like talking about it in like a competitive standpoint, when I like go out and ski street for a couple months or whatever and film a lot that allows like when you're in the, in an, like in an urban environment or you're in a city and you're looking at things that aren't built for skiing, but you're trying to make them work for skiing like that right there is going to force you to think out the box outside the box, because you're going to have to look at something that's not built for skiing and you're gonna have to ski on it. And then when I can take that knowledge from looking at, you know, street spots that weren't created to ski on, bring it to a course and look at it in terms of a competitive aspect where they built this course, but maybe they didn't, didn't even intend something for something to be ridden in that way, but you can figure that out. Like that kind of translates a lot. And like a lot of the events where I've had like my best performances have been after I haven't skied any, you know, resorts or park in weeks or months. And it's like right after a long urban trip or pow trip, yeah. just because you like, you thinking about things in such a different light than then that when you bring that to a competitive environment it just kind of translates over but in terms of the thought process i don't even know honestly i just kind of think about like what <laughs> what would be the most fun like a lot of the times i just am like fucking around kind of and like if something seems like i would like actually enjoy it i kind of try and do that and 
in comps, it's hard, you know, because sometimes you can't just do that because the most fun thing might not do well, like yeah, it might not right, score well. Right, right. But hopefully you can find that perfect balance. Like you're going to have fun doing it and it's going to score well. Right. Um, but that's like really tough to do. But like something like the, the front flip off the tree, that was honestly just random. Like I was just like <laughs> bouncing off a tree and I was like, this would be hilarious if Franny out of. But it was like a, not a lot of thought goes into it, honestly. It kind of just happens. You're taking what it gives you. That's hilarious yeah. to look at a tree and go, yeah, front flip makes sense. <laughs> like it's just... pretty much. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's like uh, I thought I, 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 I think I saw a video of some someone doing something similar, like on a snowboard or something. Yeah. In some like form. And then I was like, saw this tree and it was like perfect to try it on. So I kind of just like went for it. I love that. I love that whole edit, by the way. Like that's a, as far as team videos go, that's about as fun as you find them. Okay. So let me ask you, let me ask you this. What's your relationship like with the rest of the faction team? Like, are you close with everybody? It's such a like eclectic group of people, I think, like where you're just, everybody's so different right and i think everybody brings something sort of similar to the table though but all from different backgrounds so what what's your relationship like with the faction team um they're dope i mean i've known you know it's it's always like fluctuating like there's people coming in and out like right. in terms of team riders and people who are filming these edits but for the most part i've known a bunch of the people for a super long time um and yeah, the faction trips have always been like the top of my list. Like as soon as a faction trip's like being planned or being talked about, like I'm always so hyped just to try and link up with the crew and link up with the filmers and just have like a good time. Cause it's what makes it sick is having such a big crew at a lot of these events or a lot yeah. of these shoots that um, you just kind of go out and like you're going out and you're just shredding with a big squad and you don't even really think about the filming that much. And then, Next thing you know, you got like a full head, like a full edit on your hands and you got all these shots mm. like after a week of skiing and you didn't have to like focus on it. like it doesn't really yeah, yeah. feel like you're trying that hard, which is really sick. And for me, like a huge part of it, too, is the filmer Etienne Merel. Um, he's been filming the faction edits ever since they started. And uh, like that was one of the first I remember the one of the first the first film trip I went on was the. Uh, a faction edit that we filmed in La Clouza like a long, long time ago, like one of the first ones. And um Etienne was there. I was I was like 13 or 14. It was like my first ever film trip. It was like when I was still living in Europe. Mm -hmm. Um and I went over to France to film with them and like met. Like I, I all I remember was just like going over there and skiing with like some of my biggest idols. Like Tim McChesney was there. Um who else was it? Tim Chesney, Corey Vanuler, mm. Adam Delorme. Like it was just insane. Candide was there even for a couple days. Like it was just insane being with all those guys, being like some random 14 year old who like just got invited to go. That's I crazy. remember skipping school for it too. Like I went just for like four <laughs> days. I took a train over because it wasn't that far. But like, like I said, I was just going to like a regular school. So I just yeah. had to like skip school and like do some, like my teachers gave me homework to do and, and shit like on the trip. But <laughs> But yeah, so I think that's been dope. Just like the loyalty there. And like, I, I love a ton of the people yeah. that I've like been working with, like with, with the brand. And then Etienne's been like the centerpiece, I think of a lot of these mm -hmm. edits. So just linking with him and like, just, just, I feel like he's so good at what he does and makes it so fun that I'm like always so hyped to link up with the squad. But then, yeah, just honestly a dope group of riders that are sponsored by fashion. So it just makes it like a dope ass time to be with them and just, film and it's sick too like getting to do 
I've done a couple power trips with them. I've done a couple street trips with them and a couple um, park shoots as well. And like on every shoot, the crew is like a little different, which is really fun. Like the group of riders is different, Mm -hmm. which also keeps it refreshing and just learning also like learning from everyone on the team. Like everyone's got their own approach and own Mm -hmm. style. And it's just sick to shred with a bunch of people that I usually don't get to ski with that much because I'm spending a lot of time around either my my local friends in salt lake or like on the when i'm competing you know a lot of the international kind of guys on like the yeah. co- like competition schedule where then linking up with these people i only get to see a couple times a year kind of opens my eyes to just ski in a different way and i don't know have some fun just shredding yeah yeah i like i like that a lot and i think like i said i think that group of people is really cool they've they've added some players i think in there and Actually, let me let me ask you about this real quick because I think this is like the king of gaslighting and skiing is Candide. Like he's like puts out stuff and then disappears from the world, right? And obviously not with faction anymore. But like, what do you know that dude? Do you how like have you spent time with him? Like, what is he actually like from someone who can have a conversation or is a stone's throw, I guess, away from that dude? Because I feel like he gives the ski world so little but gives them so much at the same time. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know him super well. So that first trip I went on when I was like 14, yeah. he was there like for a bunch of days and I actually was like talking to him, hanging out with him. That was super dope. That yeah. was like, I mean, that was a long time ago. That was, that was a while like, ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Eight, 10 years ago or whatever. And then there was a couple more shoots we did in Europe, like the following years. And he'd like show up for like just a couple, like a one or two days, I think just cause like faction kind of wanted him to be in the edit, you know, but I could tell like he probably wasn't that down to be in the edit. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> no, I mean, he's a super chill dude. He's like really quiet. Um, like super unassuming. You would never guess that like he's some big dog pro, you know, he's just like some kind of small dude. who's just chilling in the corner. But, uh, the, the last time I think the last time I ever hung out with him, was one of the shoots one of one of the faction shoots like i don't know four or five years ago and um he i i'd heard all week that he didn't want to pull up because he was somewhere else and like he just didn't want to really be a part of you know he's like his own he wants to do like his solo projects he didn't want to be a part of the whatever the big group edit and um but then i guess they finally whatever convinced him to come for a day and he (laughs) rolled up in a heli (laughs) He just showed up and the heli dropped him off or maybe the heli just like parked there for the day it was in verbier <laughs> we, were, we were skiing verbier and um yeah he showed up in a heli skied for the day and then dipped in a heli again it was like the craziest thing it was so funny <laughs> dude he's fucking batman he's literally batman it's hilarious i i can't get over this dude and like how there's a few people like this that are in the industry that like don't really give a shit about the industry they're just there to like get what they want out of it have a good time and like bounce it's i feel the same way about seth morrison now it's like the dude just doesn't give a shit like you could ask him to do interviews all day until you're blue in the face and he'll basically if you get an answer at all he'll be like i'm all right like i'm good i don't really need to talk about anything yeah no i i that's definitely how candy it is too and and yeah, i haven't seen him since he flew away in the heli so <laughs> or talk to him either but um but no, every time I talked to him, he was great. He was a super chill guy. So I love that. Um, but I think he definitely, yeah, he's, 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 uh, I think he like puts off the persona of like not caring and like, yeah, whatever. Like he's like above and beyond what the ski industry in some ways, but in like all reality, he like 
he wouldn't be filming all these insane edits and like still doing it at the age that he is if he didn't right. like care to some extent about the ski industry and like having his place in the ski world and obviously i'm sure there's money that comes along with it i'm sure he gets paid to whatever <laughs> make these edits and yeah and whatnot but like he yeah I, I, he's mad passionate and i don't think he's like despite acting too cool i, I think he really like loves it and, and he isn't yeah. like too cool in some ways <laughs> yeah I'm sure. And like, we can all speculate and do all this stuff, but like, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. At the end of the day, he's going to do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, exactly. Which is like, I respect the shit out of that. Like I'd actually really like to be like that in my own life. Just be like, you know what? It is what it is. Here's life. Like, I don't give a shit. Like it is, it is what it is. Right. And you love what you love and you don't have to worry about it. The original puffy blanket. Uh, Rumple is a sponsor of the Out podcast and they have uh, the best blankets on planet Earth. They have the Nano Puff. Ethan, stop changing the stuff. They have a sale going on. We're trying to tell people about the sale. They have the Nano Loft Puffy, Nano Loft Flame, Nano Loft Travel. They have the original Puffy blanket, and they make some amazing towels. Um, they make honestly, they make so much cool stuff. I never thought that I needed a Rumble product in my life before working with these people, but like now, no matter what, like moving forward, I will have a Rumple on me at all times for the rest of my existence. Okay. It's just, you just have to, like, it's almost a mandatory thing. And obviously they make a bunch of amazing colors, styles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the stuff and we've talked about it about a million times and I, I could not be, oh, the Carhartt collab. I actually bought one of these. Did I tell you guys that? Bought one of these Carhartt collabs. They're, uh, they're super dope. But anyway, the point of this is today is the start of the Rumple winter sale and everything's on sale at rumple.com. So Go to rumble.com, buy yourself a new blanket, buy buy a loved one a gift, buy them a gift that they wouldn't necessarily buy for themselves like because they're whatever, you know, that's the best kind of gifts. Like, look at this thing. Look at how dope this Carhartt Cypress were orange colorway is. So go to rumble.com, hit up the gear sale, and you can tell them I sent you if you want or not, whatever. Um... Woodchuck is a sponsor of the Out of Bounds podcast and has been for quite some time. I'm super grateful to have people like Woodchuck in my life. Uh, they are the original American hard cider. Um, for all you gluten-free kids out there, this is your move. I, yeah, this stuff is great. It's not too sweet. They've like re-engineered some of the product that's out there. And uh, it's really, it's just excellent. So straight out of Vermont too, I might add. Vermont people, New England people, Vermont like support a Vermont company. It's really as simple as that. They also have an awesome cidery in Vermont that you should check out. Can I say Vermont anymore? Um, they also have a guide on their website. They also ship directly to your door in some States. So you can go to woodchuck.com, use promo code OOB pod 25 to get 25% off of shipping. Shipping's expensive on alcohol sometimes. So is that not the code? OOB pod 2022. Oh God, that's a lot of numbers. OOB Pod twenty twenty two. Was that it for twenty five percent off shipping. of shipping? Okay, we're working the code thing out. We're gonna we're gonna work on that a little bit. I think it's maybe a little numbery for for where we're at today. But the point is, is go to woodchuck.com, get some of the variety packs that exist because those things are awesome. They include things like amber, guava, another Prosecco, and sangria all in one kit. They make a bunch of different variety packs, but check that stuff out and they'll ship to basically every state. They have a whole list of where stuff is available. So check that stuff out. Woodchuck.com back to the episode. We go and goodbye. Um, on the other hand, like you, 
you're working to this point in your career and you're getting this point, like, especially like, let me, let me back up a little bit and let me ask you like, what, what was winning gold? Like, what was your, like, how did you feel in the months after that? Like, we're looking at things like you're at the ESPYs, you are doing a fucking Movado commercial the other day I saw. Like, it's like, you're doing (laughs) cool shit, man. Like what, what has it been like kind of feeling the ripple effects of winning gold? Um, it was dope. I mean, it's honestly been pretty low key, which has been sick, like pretty mellow. Yeah. Uh, except like some of those things were kind of like out of the blue, but um, for the most part, honestly, pretty mellow. Which I'm I'm hyped on, like not blown it out of proportion or anything. But the moment was, su- I mean, it was super dope. The whole Olympic leading up to the Olympics was definitely kind of aggro with all the comps yeah. and just kind of stressful, but. Once we finally got there, just like with the crew we had, it was super dope. Like just hanging with Mac, uh, Nick, and Colby, like yeah. a lot, because we honestly weren't allowed to do anything else. So we were <laughs> right. just chilling, like the four of us the whole time. Um, and we were over there for like three full weeks. So we were over there for a long time yeah. and, and like pretty confined. So just hanging with those boys and honestly enjoying enjoying our time over there despite all the conditions. And that just kept it super fun and and like. I don't know. Big air was a little bit of a letdown. Just, you know, I, I fucked up my final jump and it kind of like it, it could have been a whatever, who knows it could or could not have been a medal if I landed that last jump. So that kind of was weighing on me for a little bit, but then just kind of moving, like switching gears and getting stoked on slope style was super fun. And, and the course was really, really tough, um, which I think made it more rewarding in the end and land a you know a really clean run and something i was really proud of and mm. doing the tricks that i wanted to do and approaching the course in a way that i would be stoked on and i had fun doing was like the most rewarding part of winning a medal not actually like with just winning the medal but doing it how i wanted to do it and just having fun along the way yeah. and um but yeah it was it was sick that day was super dope like just landing that run was was like really I don't know, really rewarding. And then having all the homies at the bottom to like celebrate with in the moment was sick. Just all the boys were down there. And then everything after that, the medal ceremony, that was all pretty like unreal and like doing media for like 24 hours straight (laughs) kind of was pretty insane. But then it was sick, like just super hectic. And then it was honestly pretty like quiet and pretty mellow after that. And just got to go back home a couple days later, like decompress, just hang out like my family was actually in utah then so i got to hang out with them a bunch and just see like a bunch of my homies from salt lake who i hadn't seen all year because we were traveling so much right so I just kept it low-key and and uh just kept skiing honestly because i know like the the thing that a lot of people talk about is like the post-olympic depression and yeah and all that where people kind of like have an identity crisis after the olympics which is i could like completely see how that would happen because it's like this one moment that you all you hear about for years on end is leading up to this one moment and then finally it's behind you so you're like oh what do i do now um which i never really had that feeling too much which was actually kind of a relief but um i definitely told myself that i would stay busy after the olympics just so like i wouldn't fall into like a situation like that so yeah i just kept skiing and actually like went out to denver i got back i was home for like three days and i went out to denver because it snowed out there and we like just started hitting some street and stuff yeah and like just got right back into filming which was sick 
but um yeah not not it was honestly it hasn't been too much like the psycho media <laughs> stuff that like i didn't go on like the tonight show or whatever the show is they go on and like the late <laughs> night show so none of that stuff but yeah there's definitely been a couple things that like trickle through yeah ever since then like going to espies was super cool and just whatever being around a bunch of big dogs was kind of crazy yeah and, like a bunch of people who are actually famous not like us you know yeah, uh, yeah. so that was like kind of cool it was just fun to experience a couple things that maybe wouldn't happen mm. if i like hadn't gotten the olympic medal but not it hasn't like changed anything to a point where like it's made it like less fun or i uh, changed my life to where like it to a point where like i wouldn't want it to be so yeah. it's been like a pretty cool kind of happy medium i think yeah yeah it's uh it's got to be a bit of a weird experience too especially like you talk about like meeting some of the big dogs in the world like what what is that like i mean even at the olympic level right like talking about some of these other winter olympic athletes like is there somebody that you met or you got to hang out with or you got to spend time with while you're in that bubble that you were like oh this is this is kind of fucking cool no one honestly like no one that i was like damn this is insane like with how maybe famous they were any of that stuff but it was right. really sick just hanging out with a bunch of athletes from different countries at the olympics and like talking to them about their sport and like what they've you know done growing up or what they've gone through to get to where they are now and it, it was dope especially like there was a couple different olympic villages and yeah. the first one we were at was the one down in beijing where we had big air and we were the only kind of like snow sport down there all the other sports were like ice hockey and ice skating and like a bunch of that sort of stuff so it was a bunch of athletes that we would like never be around right so it was it was super cool to just like meet a bunch of these people and talk to them about their sports and we actually got to go and watch like a bunch of different events like some speed skating some ice hockey some <laughs> curling which was super dope like just yeah. random shit that I would like, you know, I don't even watch that stuff on TV, but <laughs> right. it's sick when you're in person and like you get to, and like, it's dope. Cause we'd like meet people in the cafeteria, talk to them, like chat with them, whatever, not super long, maybe a couple minutes or 20 minutes. And then like, we actually know someone in the event we're watching in person, which is right. dope. So we like are cheering for them regardless of honestly, it didn't even matter whether they were, whether they were like from the U S or from some other country. Right. Like we were just hyped for like whoever we'd met that day or earlier that day, <laughs> right. which was like super fun and going there like with the boys and just cheering people on was pretty sick. But, um, yeah, like at a, at a thing like the ESPYs, it was definitely mad different. Like you could just tell like the, <laughs> the, the scale is like a whole different scale. Cause everyone's just so famous and so rich and it's just like not what skiing <laughs> is. Well, honestly, it was a sigh of relief. Cause I, I see that shit and I'm just like, damn that's that'd be cool for like two days and then i would be pretty over it i think yeah that seems stressful like that lifestyle seems exhausting oh yeah it's insane like we went i was like my girlfriend got to come with me as like a plus one of the espies yeah. which was super dope and whatever like we were we went to the espies and that was like pretty crazy and like there was a bunch of basketball players and famous people there and then we went to this after party it was like LeBron James. I forget what the company's called, but it was like hosted by LeBron James. We went to this after party and like there was like all these ins insanely famous people there. But it, it seemed mad annoying because they're always, <laughs> despite this, like it being a private party or whatever, yeah. there were still so many people who were just like there with phones filming them and like trying to get photos. And like it was, I was like, damn, that would suck. Like even at a private party, you can't even like just enjoy chilling for a sec. So. It was definitely pretty. I like um uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was there. 
and he was getting like just harassed by people i was like fuck that's heavy that poor guy yeah it's got to also like inflate your ego like crazy too like to just be around that and people just pestering you all the time it's it's got to do a thing to your head man for sure i think for sure but also it was insane meeting like some people that were like super down to earth but, yeah. but like also pretty famous was was really cool so you, i feel like you gain a ton of respect for them because totally. you realize like what they're going through and to still then act pretty i guess what you could i don't know if normal's yeah, right, 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 right. Hum, humble or whatever is like pretty crazy after what they're going through on like maybe not a daily but like pretty regularly you know yeah um let me kind of bring it back a little bit to skiing is there is there a thing in skiing or is there a person in skiing that you're like, I really, I, I like the way this career trajectory is going. Like I like, I like what they're doing a lot. Like I take influence from these types of people. Yeah. There's, there's honestly like a ton. I feel like I get inspiration from a ton of different people, but like the main, one of the main ones that I always think of is just like Henrik Harlow. Yeah. I feel like he's done so much for the sport and had such a big influence on so many just i think professional riders but also just you know anyone in the sport whether you're a beginner or a top level guy i think you just there's so many ways that henrik's just inspired people through either his approach to skiing or what he does in skiing or just his attitude that are super dope and i think just like what he's done in his career you know from winning pretty much every event you can think of <laughs> right. to then filming like the best video parts you've ever seen um like all that is mad inspirational and how long he's been doing it for and now he's whatever i think he's 30 or 31 still doing it like just got an olympic medal and he's like still going strong still loves it like i think the passion that he has for skiing is what's so inspirational like mm. just seeing how much he loves it is so sick and he's been doing it for like 15 or 10 or 15 years professionally and he's like still this hype yeah. to go out and ski like a tiny pvc rail like preseason with like some snow that he got from an ice rink like that's shit i used to do when i was like 15 yeah like growing up but like that's so dope is like the passion and then another person is just like oh, tom wallace is just yeah. i don't know he's just the goat kind of so i look up to him a lot and he's just look pro, what he's man. done and he's yeah he's such a homie he's helped me out a lot with just like I don't know, just chatting with him, talking about career decisions or wherever, you know, just life in general and stuff. But like Tom's helped me a bunch. So that's been super dope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those people like draw a ton of inspiration from them in terms of, I don't know, I guess if you could say like a blueprint for like what is, I think is like a really sick career path. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a bunch of like even, you know, people that aren't pros, like, or just skiing for fun, like just my homies I ski with in Salt Lake or homies I ski with back in back in Switzerland, like just the regular, more regular kind of not the necessarily the mega pro lifestyle like that. That is also super inspirational. I think there's a lot of points you can take from them, like people like them and just learning from just more the the regular, I guess, would I would say. I don't know if that's the right word, but right. not the, the pro skier lifestyle because there's a lot to, to life other than being a pro skier you know so yeah no for sure and i think that stuff is really cool for people to kind of hear too and like because i think we put like pro athletes including yourself like on this pedestal sometimes where you're like they're they're different than me like they they live this different existence and like they're not real people right so i think 
it's, it's funny to see people separate that stuff. And then like, obviously that's not the case. Like everybody's a real person and like you're having these yeah, conversations totally. and like it brings you really down to earth. But I think it's, it's important for people to like actually realize kind of the humanity of it. And it's like, yeah, at the end of the day, like the people that you have fun with and the people that you look up to are not necessarily going to be pros. They're going to be people that like you actually feel a connection with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I fully agree with that. Um, let me, yeah. Speaking of Tom, by the way, I, I was kind of like bopping around last night on the internet and I found the X games video, you hitting a 2160 and then just listening to Tom's reaction. <laughs> I think when you actually stomped, it was probably the best part of the whole thing. What, what is like, first of all, what is going into your head as you're about to do something like that? And then do you like, do you feel the energy from the crowd? Do you feel what's going on around you when you're in that comp setting? um yeah i mean x games bay is a sick one because the yeah. crowd's always so hyped and it's a night event so i feel like that's like the one event where you get like the most stoked from the crowd more so than slope or any of the other ones or right. obviously any of the world cups like just because the crowd's right there and like you catch the sled right in front of the crowd every right. time so you definitely feed off the crowd a lot but i don't know i honestly wasn't thinking too much before that like i came into that <laughs> evening telling myself like i would do like these two specific tricks for the comp that I really wanted to do. And I ended up doing those in my first two tries. And since it was a jam format, we had like four more hits and I was like, fuck what do I do now. <laughs> and, um, and so I kind of just was like, all right, I guess like, and I, I was watching the rest of the guys in the field go absolutely insane. Like yeah. they were throwing the craziest things. And so I was like, damn, I guess I'll join in and just kind of start chucking pretty hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> Had you which landed is, that which, to snow before? No, I had never done it in any sort of situation <laughs> before. So I was kind of just a Hail Mary. But I yeah, honestly, I didn't think much. Like, I just got to the top. And, um, like, my my coach, Dave, who's uh, the U.S. team coach, who's – I wouldn't call him a coach. He's just a homie. Yeah. Um, Like, I, I don't really consider coaches co – like, as long as they're just, like, my homies at the top of the mm. drop and that's what you're looking for. But I was just – got to the top, and I was like, yo, Dave, like – what do you think 21 would be kind of funny or it was something along those lines of just like <laughs> like obviously i wanted i wanted to try and win the event that's why i did it but also i was like it'd be kind of jokes to like try it yeah in a way but also i had like this crazy mix of emotions because that night before the event i told myself i was only i wasn't gonna just like try and spin to win and then i ended up doing that <laughs> so i kind of like broke my morals in the moment which I was like, so I was like super stoked to do it. Like when I landed, I was like, damn, that was sick that I just like survived trying this. Yeah. But also bummed at the same time because I was like, fuck, like I didn't want to just spin to win to win this comp. I wanted to like try and do these other tricks to win it, which like, so I was in this like moral combat yeah. while, doing it, <laughs> while also like trying to do this trick. But honestly, like, I didn't think about much. Like, especially with the 21, I just was like, all right, like, you're going to drop in and you literally have to set it as hard as you can. And yeah. just don't even think about it. Like, that's with the really big tricks. I tell myself not to think about it because I'll start overthinking a trick and trying to like break it down too yeah. much. Where like, you kind of just got to rely on your muscle memory of like what you've done before and just kind of build off that. So I was just telling myself, like, don't th overthink it. Just, like, set it really hard and just, like, hope it goes well. Yeah. <laughs> and then <clears throat> the video is actually mad funny because you can tell, like, I land. And, like, for a sec, I was pretty stoked. And then I'm, like, the camera's on me. And I'm just, like, 
I have this face, and you can tell I'm just like, I'm kind of like bummed at myself for doing it. Um, and it was like, it was still like, I'm not going to downplay it. Like I was hyped to land it, and it was dope to do a trick like that and like ride away from a clean, whatever, and, and, you know, like do well at the event on top of that was sick. But at the same time, like being bummed was a really weird feeling. And like, whenever, like i get compliments from like if like a kid dms me and is like dude you're 21 was so dope x games like i look up to you i'm always like damn that's sick like that they're stoked on skiing and they look up to me but i wish they looked up to me like not just for my 21 like that was like one of the wackest things i've done that's but crazy. like it's also not that way it's hard but but pretty much i was yeah it was it was a cool moment but i had a i had a little bit of a I was a little bit of a head case after I was like, fuck, why'd I do that? That's hilarious. Like you've, uh, it's, it's funny to be in a comp scene. I guess that's what just makes you different. But like, that's a, that's a really interesting way to look at what you just did is like, oh, I'm not being true to myself, but it's also like, I have the ability to just fucking do this thing. Cause like you landed it's, I was, that was one of the most impressive things to me was like how smooth you landed it switch was ridiculous. Like you just, it looked like it's something that you had done a hundred times. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, I mean, I, I was super hyped <laughs> and I appreciate that. I was stoked on like landing it clean, Yeah, but I think it was, there was like some luck involved too, for sure. Like it kind of just worked I, out, you know, I guess, but, um, but I think, yeah, like just, it was just a accumulate, like I'd done tricks that weren't obviously that trick, but like similar, like switch 18s and mm, stuff that yeah, are yeah. in a way pretty similar. So I think just like, I wasn't super surprised to land it, but like a little, but just at a certain point, like you do what I call like the building blocks or like the lead up tricks to bigger tricks so much that like, even if you've never done a trick, like you feel pretty confident you can actually do it just kind of first try if you really want, like in a comp scenario, like with the adrenaline and the right jump and stuff. Yeah. And then it like kind of pans out. But then like I tried at the Olymp and then I tried it at the Olympics and I didn't land it. So like, you know, similar. <laughs> and then you're pissed. Yeah. And then I was like mad that I didn't land it, but then. I've had this whole, I've had this whole, <laughs> like, I've been like, it's pretty funny talking, talking about these crazy, cause like you gotta, <laughs> like what I, we're always saying, like the joke between like the homies on the team is like, if you can't beat him, join him kind of vibe. Yeah. It's like, you're not really going to win a comp unless you're doing something that's insane. So like you kind of, it's either you try this insane shit in a comp and you do well, or you might as well just not compete if you're not going to like try and push yourself, you know? Yeah. And it's like, but like, do you want to push yourself or you're skiing in that direction? Because like, are you stoked on that direction? And it's definitely like this tough middle ground where you want to try and have both aspects of being stoked on what you're doing and also like trying the hardest, most technical thing. Yeah. But yeah, the evening after like winning that medal, I was, it was, it was like, we were on insane COVID protocol because it was right before right. the Olympics. So like we couldn't do anything and it was just Mac and I in an apartment and like, it was like the night after big air and you think you'd be like you usually you'd be at some insane party somewhere yeah partying you're like just going crazy and it's just like the two of us in the living room like making dinner <laughs> going to bed because we had slope style the next day and i was just remember being like i was like damn i don't think i've ever been this bummed to win a comp like that's the feeling i had which was like really oh. weird it was like a weird position to be in to be like not super ecstatic about doing something that like was you know, really impressive and that you're like stoked or not stoked to do. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but yeah, either, <laughs> either way it was dope. I was stoked. 
that it, it worked out. Dude, I'm so confused. I'm so confused. Whether you're happy about it or you're upset. I, about trust it. me, I'm 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 too. I still don't know if I'm happy or sad about doing that trick. It's it's kind of fucked though. Like you're right. It is for a long time. It's not like a new thing that it's been spin to win. You know what I mean? Like it's you can do and Henrik's kind of probably one of the exceptions pretty often where like he's doing this other shit and he's kind of getting away with it, but like not getting away with it, it's the wrong way to say it. But like, you know what I mean? It it's crazy and a little disappointing sometimes that it is like how many spins you can do. And even like Tom, right? Like Tom is the pro on the mic. Like he's like slowing it down and counting every spin to try to understand what's going on. And you wonder like, does that make it almost unwatchable for people at home watching it on the TV? It's like, cause you don't even understand what the fuck's going on. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm, I'm at these big air events sometimes and I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm watching right. these events and, I, and there's a lot of times where I can't distinguish between whether it's a 14 or an 18 or a 19 or like <laughs> right. I'm up there and I'm like, dude, I literally do this and I don't know what he just did. Right. Like I need a replay to understand what he just, you know what I mean? So definitely that's a tough, it's definitely a tough thing that like everyone's been talking about in skiing, especially with big air, I think. Yeah. Cause everyone's so good. But then the counter argument is like, everyone's just trying to, or everyone's trying to, you know, push themselves to their limits so you can't really reward something where someone's not trying something crazy yeah because everyone else is trying to do something that's really crazy and doing their hardest tricks so that it's just hard because it's if you don't reward things on technical like difficulty in competitions and you go more towards whatever style is because style is so like subjective totally that it's just you kind of have to judge comps off technical level. Um, and that's like the beauty, but also the shitty part of about event. Yeah. That's why it's become spin to win because ultimately I'm more dangerous and harder to land when you spin more. But um, but yeah, that's that's a little bit of a bummer about the the big areas nowadays, especially is just how crazy they are. And it's it's sick to see everyone that riding so well, but it's also just, I know it's, you know, tough for the general audience to watch. Cause like I said, I mean, my parents been watching me compete for years now and they have no fucking clue what's going on. Right. Right. Like they, they don't, they don't know what tricks I'm doing. Like they, my mom's gotten pretty good, but like she, she can like kind of guess what trick it is, but like if they can't do it, you know, like how is my grandma who watches it like once a year going to understand like what's going on. So, right. Definitely a little bit of a, a, I don't know, pickle we're in right now, but maybe, maybe something will change in the near future. Maybe. I think part of it's the judging too, like what they reward, like the type of shit that they reward too. Cause like yeah, things for that sure. people get the most hyped on are not necessarily the things, the things that get you the highest score. And I, th- but I mean, dude, it's like this in every sport though, right? It's like in basketball, it's like flopping, right? Flopping gets you to the fucking line and you can shoot your free throws, but like it doesn't really like everybody hates to watch it. It, it's yeah, like, yeah it, exactly it's a bummer there's there's shit like this literally in every sport and i think this is the comp scene in skiing is that thing where you have to have structure in order for it to be a competition but like mm-hmm. it also limits the creativity of the athlete in a lot of ways and i think freeride world tour is really cool because like it, it it's very open right like you can do what's in front of you and it's still comp format but the judging is really fucking difficult the conditions are the worst part and like yeah. you're getting what you get and it's like what side of the coin do you want to be on and how do you totally how do you like feed off of each other like on both sides of that and kind of make it merge into this one thing yeah and and also like 
what I always say or what I always think about, like when I see people who are like really bummed on what's going on, at least like within the group of skiers that are doing the events, like when I see people that are really bummed on what's going on in the event is like a certain point, if you're not down to try and do these insane tricks, you're not down with the direction. Like it is really is a bummer for the, like maybe the sport or where it's heading. But like from a personal standpoint, you can choose to, if like, if you're not vibing, like that's the beauty of our sport. That's what's so epic about skiing. The fact that we can go film or, or, you know, create a video part for, for the internet and not worry about the competitive thing. And that's the best part about a video is you can give less fucks what like no one's judging your video. Like ultimately, yeah, maybe a viewer is judging it in some sort of way. Like once you post it, but like, you can still do exactly what you want, which is like the sickest part. So like if I were that bummed on comps, I just wouldn't do them. I would stop competing, but there's still like a part of me that loves them a ton. And like, even though the progression is insane and these bigger comps are so crazy with the spin to win, like, there's still a part of me that like loves doing it. Like it's sick to just go out in front of a huge crowd <laughs> and just like chuck some meat with the boys and like see what happens, you know? So yeah. it's like, that's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's shitty, but still like really dope. And it's fun to like do every, every now and then. Like I get, yeah. I'm only down to do like a couple big airs a year, but yeah. they're mad fun still. Yeah. I guess that's what makes it fun too, is like you can do it in a limited dose and it's a good time. Like it's, that's a, that kind of puts you in a different lane exactly like if i had to go do a bigger comp every week and i'd be like all right fuck this but like yeah yeah. every now and then it's sick yeah for sure do you do you foresee that in like the near future being a thing that you're like okay like i'm just gonna move strictly to like filming going in the backcountry like again we talked about this but it's like sammy carlson is probably the example that like rings most true in my head and obviously tanner and obviously a million people have done this where like they go from skiing park and comp and whatever and then they just become like behemoths in the backcountry. Like they become these like icons of the sport because they're in the backcountry too. Where, like, is that a thing that is of interest to you? Like, obviously, like dabbling in a little bit right now, and we've talked about this already, but like dabbling seems like it's a really effective method for you to keep things fresh. But is, has that been a thought, like pushing more into that side of things? Um, for sure. I mean, I, I love skiing, pal. It's, it's so, so damn fun. Yeah. But, um, I've thought about it and like, I, I think it's, I respect it so much. Like watching someone like Sammy, like yeah. switch from comps and just become, yeah. Like the, the, the pow beast that he is and just dominate Yeah, is like super dope. But I don't know. I'm taking just for now, like I, for sure at some point in the future, it'd be sick to go focus like a lot more on backcountry and just like try and film some really like, just push my, like my own limits in the background backcountry. Like that would be really fun. But, um, I don't know, just like one season at a time for now. I think like I'm yeah. still pretty hyped on doing some comps and like especially soap style. I think there's still a ton of room there to like for me to push my own skiing and just like have a good time. And um like street skiing right now, I've been super hyped on just skiing yeah. street, um, which has been really fun. And I have a lot of homies that are really stoked on it. So we got a good crew just like trying to go out and get clips, which is sick. Um, but yeah, it's at some point I think for sure try and um film more pow i always just tell myself like i'm gonna do whatever it seems like it's gonna be the most enjoyable and mm. i'm sure at some point like the comps are gonna wear out on me and i'm gonna be like yo i'm not that down to you know travel to this place to potentially go chuck tricks in some weather that might be like pretty mediocre so it's definitely a step that like i mean it's like you said it's that's why it's such a 
whatever blueprint for yeah. a career, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. why everyone does it. Cause that's at a certain point, I think people just like, you kind of just phase out of competing and you're yeah. like, word, like I really want to go push my limits in like a different form kind of, and like see how far I can take my skiing outside of like a competitive environment. Yeah. Cause in a lot of ways, I think you can push your skiing more outside of competition because you have more attempts and more factors to work with. Yeah. But, um, yeah, power sick. Hopefully I'll do a couple power trips this year. Yeah, I love that. Um, all right, last thing I'm going to ask you, and then I'll let you get out of here. I know it's getting late over there. I uh, kids that are watching you, looking up to you, and kind of putting you on this like on this level for them as somebody that they look up to. What what do you say to kids like that that are like trying to make it in skiing, that are trying to make skiing this thing that they pursue? Like, is there? We talked about it a little bit earlier, where like the blueprint to becoming a pro and to be like getting into these comps is totally different now, and it's almost like scripted. What what kinds of things do you tell them if they're looking to get more into the into like the professional skiing side of things? Because I think it's all over the place right now. Like you have people that just put out films and they become a pro by like just putting out clips on Instagram and like that's cool too. And then there's people that like go the comp scene route and it's it's also different and it's honestly kind of confusing. I feel like if you're looking at it from the outside. So what what kind of advice I guess do you have to those people? Yeah, I think. I've, I've actually like thought about this a bunch. I was like, damn, what would I like if I was 14 now, how would I approach it? You know, like yeah. in this day and age where like, like you said, the comp scene is pretty different and, and just with social media and all that stuff. And I think the biggest part, like now that I'm like, have been in the industry for a while is realizing that the way that you're going to become the most successful, let's say in your ski careers by, not like following what you think is the right way. Like you see maybe like your friend or some kid your age on the internet that's insanely good doing these comps, doing this specific thing. Like that might not be the way that you're going to become the best skier that you can become. So yeah. if like you see some Euro kid who's 12 and doing insane tricks and doing all these comps, winning comps, and you're 12 and you're in the Midwest somewhere in the US and like you're mad good or whatever, you're working on your rail game you don't necessarily need to move to Europe or whatever and do all these comp. Like, I think you can find your own route. And I think as a sponsor, if I was a sponsor, like, obviously I don't know, like I'm not a TM or anything, but like, yeah. if I was a sponsor, I like the, the thing that I would see the most valuable in, in sponsoring an athlete is like, if they can identify with their image and like, not try and be someone who they really aren't, like that's who you want to sponsor. That's who's going to be the most authentic. And like, that's who younger kids are then going to look up to when they become older is someone who like is doing exactly what they want to do. Yeah. And whether that's competing or, you know, skiing rails in a park for Instagram or like filming pow or street, like, especially with the era we're in now with social media and the internet and it being so accessible for everyone. I think like there's all these different routes you can take, like, for example, Cole Richardson, uh, skier Cole yeah. is like this Canadian skier who's, yeah, he rips. I don't know. He's maybe, yeah, he's so sick. He's like, 20, I don't know. He's, he's like 20, 21. I don't know exactly how old he is, but I was hanging with him this summer. And like, instead of doing like the traditional comp route, like he's out there like stacking, you know, pow footy at a young age. And like, he's got insane video segments, dope sponsors. Like he's traveling a bunch and like doing yeah. a completely different route than like a lot, what honestly a lot of kids are doing nowadays, which is the more traditional comp route. Yeah. And then even like maybe a less glorified form of 
I don't even know what you want to defend, like define as a pro skier, but I think like I, I respect a lot of my homies from Salt Lake who have like now taken more like the core street skiing approach so yeah. much because I think it's so dope that they're just kind of sticking to their lane and sticking to like what they truly enjoy. And like all the like the homies from the child labor crew is like a lot of those kids is like who I went to school with. Mm. And like I, I grew up with a bunch of those kids like after moving to the U.S., and just seeing them like do their own shit now and it's so sick and so impressive and seeing like the respect that they're getting right now is so sick and even though it like took a couple years maybe to like come to fruition like the sort of the stamp they're putting on the free ski scene i think like they took their time and they didn't drift out of their lane and and that's why their product now like what they're putting out to the ski industry is so so perfect and so i don't know unique to them Right. that um i think i i don't know that's like super respectable and yeah pretty much the main advice would be like don't look at anyone else for the perfect blueprint because there is none like different things work for different people so do whatever works best for you and just the only way you get better at skiing and go anywhere and skiing is if you're enjoying it and yeah. it's so so corny to say that but like as long as you're enjoying it that's how you're gonna find the best route and i hate saying that but it's so true it's so true, a hundred percent. Like as soon as you start hitting, it's like, what are you gonna do? Like it's not a sport, and like I talk about this with people all the time. It's not a sport that you're like trying to get rich in, you know? Exactly. Like, so there's no point in trying to get rich in it. Yeah. Yeah. Just fucking do what you want to do and like make it to the best that you can. I guess is that, yeah. I mean, it is corny to say, but it's also like it's so true. Like it's there's nothing else. There's no other way about it. It's like that is the reality of the situation and maybe it's not corny because people still don't fucking do it, you know? So like it's like we say it all the time, but people still don't listen. Yeah, exactly. So, um, cool. All right, dude. Uh, we did it. This is it. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Where can people, they want to slide into your DMs or can they find you? Um, that's basically it. Um, yeah, just got the, got the Insta, I guess. Alex Hall skiing, not on the TikTok. I don't run that, uh, too hard. (laughs) I try and not be on my phone too too crazy much affixed insta race sucks up a lot of my time so mainly just the gram and then got the youtube channel alex hall um just posting my longer edits on there if you want to check any of that stuff out that's the stuff i'm really proud of it's the stuff on the instagram or on the youtube sorry or um check out the magmas those are good those will give you a nice uh idea of uh what free skiing is all about for sure sick all right buddy